Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. <clears throat> Paul. Happy Monday. Good. Good to be here. Yes. And we'll talk about good things, or we'll have to talk about bad things, but we're going to pretend they're all good things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I always resort to, you know, they're bad. We just woke up a few more people. Yeah. They figure, how is this happening? We saw a little bit of that happening with the, with the COVID experience. But um, sometimes the control of the propaganda dealing with international affairs is pretty difficult because all they have to do is shout patriotism, yeah. you know, patriotism and, and national security and defense. And that, that all of a sudden the people roll over. But when you get a poll that's a little bit more independent <clears throat> before the propagandists got out there, instincts are still decent. Uh, but the, the experts who uh, are a, minute, uh, a small minority, I've come to the conclusion that it isn't even close. It's not like a 52 to 48 among the people. I think the people who uh, we're challenging, I think they're very, very small. And it's just that they were experts in maneuvering and getting themselves in the right position and foreign policy and monetary policy, COVID policy, medicine, the whole work, the educational system. They have been very, very aggressive and they didn't do it in a year. I think they've, they've been at that. That means it's a possibility of a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got to be careful with that. Anyway, today we want to start off with... Um, uh, this announcement, uh, you know, the Republican leader in the Senate, McConnell, uh, he's given Biden advice. Well, that's good. Biden Advising needs advice. Consent. We'd like to give him some advice, too. Mm -hmm. um, but this advice, uh, we uh, are not taking as good advice. And he's, well, he wants Russia, uh, he, he wants to name Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. Terrorism. Well, you know, they've done some bad things. Uh, I wonder if we did that when there were a bunch of Marxists over there <laughs> conquering the world. Uh, but no, he wants to name them that, name them a sponsor of terrorism, which is, uh, it sort of said, well, we saw a Russian bomb do this and it killed some people, therefore they're terrorists. But uh, it's not quite so simple as that. There are, there's a significance to somebody being on this list that we put them on because it means that we see them as a real, real threat to us and we have to be aware and be on guard against what the Russians might do without taking into consideration that maybe, maybe it's unnecessary and maybe they're going to do some things that makes things worse. It has nothing to do with promoting national security no. as far as I'm concerned. And besides, uh, I think there's been a little R R Russia bashing going on for a couple of years now. And it's, it's getting uh, vitriolic, you know, they just are constant. And that's if, if uh, they have 98% of all the evil in the world and uh, nobody else is sharing in it. Because, uh, you know, there, there's a few other countries that never even mention, not that I even endorse this whole principle of naming these countries as a sponsor for terrorism and put them on the hate list, kill list. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, the American people are pretty annoyed with China at times. But they, they're not talking about that now. And I, I know uh, I sometimes get pretty annoyed with what, what the Saudis are doing. And uh, I still haven't forgotten going through 9-11 and seeing, you know, 15 out of 19 
uh, uh, you know, were uh, from Saudi Arabia. The other thing about that is that they were, uh, they were, <clears throat> they were allowed to go home very quickly, even if their name uh, was uh, Bin Laden. Yeah, they got out yeah, here sure. anyway. They, uh, the Saudis have have um, a lot of explaining to do, but just putting their name on isn't my suggestion. That's not going to do it. But to pick out Russia. Uh, and decide, well, they're, they're the monsters and they're all doing all this problem and there might be a different side. Uh, fortunately, uh, uh, Rand Paul spoke out this week very forcefully, very correctly, pointing out that, uh, I know, you know, I, I can paraphrase his exasperation. He says, I know I can't stop all this, but how about a little bit of oversight? Yeah. You know, you're giving away billions and billions of dollars. Don't you think the American people deserve a little bit of supervision and count the money? Because, oh, well, you, he's making that up. Why should he worry about that? Well, good reason. Those wars we never stopped. Uh, a lot of money was spent, and nobody knows where the money went, whether it was Afghanistan or, or any place where we've been. The money is wasted uh, in, in Iraq and Syria. It's, it's all a waste. But uh, anyway... This is uh, not <clears throat> not going to go well, and uh, I guess nobody knows what the downside might be. There's going to be postulation of you know how this might backfire on America, and uh, and that could be bad for us. Well, you know, McConnell just got back from his little song and dance. He went over to Kiev just like Pelosi. Did. Pelosi went, so he's got to go. Johnson was there from the UK. Uh, this is the sort of the thing. Bono and you two were there singing in the subway for some reason. I don't know why. Um, this is the thing you got to go through here, how you, you sort of cut your teeth and act like you're a real tough guy. But frankly, to me, this sounds like, on the, on the surface, a kind of frustration and desperation. Uh, the sanctions have not sticked. They were supposed to be crippling. Yes, the ruble fell precipitously those first few days. Now it's rebounded and it's stronger than it has been uh, in years. Uh, the, the sanctions haven't hurt the Russians as much as they've hurt the Europeans and the Americans. In fact, I just drove by Bucky's. On the way to get here, gas is 415. I've never seen it that high here. Huge spike. So the sanctions on Russia have directly and indirectly hurt the U.S. and Europe more than they've hurt the Russians. Uh, and Americans do know that. We've talked about it at least twice on this show. Several different polls that have shown Americans aren't buying. This is Putin's price hike. So it smacks to a degree of frustration and desperation. This seems like pulling out the nuclear bomb of diplomacy. Um, we can put that first one up. Here it is on the hill. We noticed it this morning. So he gets back from Ukraine, where he got a year, an earful from Zelensky, no doubt. McConnell urges Biden to name Russia a state sponsor of terrorism. And on the one hand, you could say, well, this is kind of like the schoolyard. Let's call them a name. They're awfully bad guys. They're creeps. Let's call them something even worse, a state sponsor. You know, I was talking to our friend Phil Giraldi this morning, and he makes an important point. This is not just mudslinging and name-calling. He said it has legal consequences that go beyond just the usual sanctions. This isn't just sanctions. Um, it affects travel, trade, diplomacy, and every aspect of the bilateral relationship. This is a designation that the State Department makes, and it's, it's informed by several executive orders that kick in once this determination is made by the State Department that restrict things. And as, as Phil told me this morning, it will never return the relations to normal or even remotely normal once you've done this. Currently, there are only four countries on the State Department 
sponsor of terror lists Cuba, Iran, North Korea, and Syria. Uh, so that will, so Russia will be added to that list if they follow. Um, in fact, uh, let's put that next one up because this is just a simple Wikipedia search and you can go into a lot more detail if you want. But these are all the things that are affected by the State Department making this designation. Um, a ban on arms-related exports, related exports and sales, uh, imposition of miscellaneous financial and other restrictions, and it lists down to it, lifting diplomatic immunity, uh, denying companies and individuals tax credits, denial of duty-free authority to prohibit any U.S. citizen from engaging in a financial transaction. That sounds to me like an absolute trade embargo with Russia. And on and on, if you read it and you read these designations and what they mean, it really is a, a, a bomb in the relationship. It won't recover for it. Um, but McConnell seems to have thrown it out, Dr. Paul, as if it's just another way to, to, to get back at them. Uh, and this a couple of quotes, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, but this, is, this shows kind of almost how cavalier uh, it was in his mind. And he's no dummy. He, doesn't, he hasn't held on to the reins of power for that long for being a dummy. But nevertheless, he said, I think it's a good idea and I would support it. He told reporters during a press call from Stockholm, the president could do it on its own. And I would urge him to do it. Well, so much for congressional oversight. He's <laughs> urging the unitary executive to do it, do it, do it. You know, I think if this happens, and even the urging of it, it's getting awfully close to an official declaration of war. Yeah. You know, because I've argued that uh, even when we start putting sanctions and freezing products and, and, uh, and not allowing people to have free trade and move around, it really is an act of war, territorial war, we're under containment. But here, here it is, it's, it's taken sanctions, which I didn't like to begin with, and, and it is very dangerous. And this is a lot worse, so we are approaching something very close to uh, declaring war against Russia. And uh, there is a tremendous amount of significance there. And there's still, there's still the idea how much. It, it's almost like we keep doing things um, to just see how far we can push the Russians uh, without them, you, you know, digging a hole for themselves, you know, and and do something else. But I think I think it's very very dangerous. Uh, but, you know, it's one of these things, they use these sanctions and punishments and all the propaganda and they go to the UN and all this. And it's always a pretense that they're the diplomats. We're working for peace. If, the, if, if they would only, re, uh, you, you know, respond, if the Russians, it's all their fault. If, if they would just respond, uh, there, there would be peace. So they're, they're the diplomats. And, uh, and, and even now you hear it frequently that uh, the, the warmongers, the hawks, will say, yes, but we don't have any troops on the ground. Yeah. And none of them had died. Uh, well, the troops are on the ground, but the American peoples uh, are really uh, are the ones that are getting stuck with the bill, and they're really suffering from it. And then they keep saying, "I wonder, wonder how this inflation came up." Oh, oh, Biden did that because of such and such. Well. The war doesn't cause inflation, but the printing of money for the deficits they run up to run a war uh, is the source of the devaluation of the currency. And uh, so it is a participant. But that is, that is so bipartisan. It's, it's not uh, this whole idea that uh, 
Biden invented inflation, but he certainly has made it worse. Uh, you know, just because there is a psychological factor of, of scarcities and, and how people react to it. So everything he's done, you know, he adding, for, for instance, look how the conditions on uh, the oil uh, system trying to survive, not only with the inflation, but with the uh, interference. Oh, okay, you guys don't need these uh, oil wells anymore. So, but this thing on with Russia, the, the the oil is involved there. The monetary system is involved there. And Russia is trying to escape from the dollar system. I think we live in very, very dangerous times. And uh, there are a lot, uh, a lot more significant than most people realize and dangerous. Yeah. Well, if we look at this in the broader context, the progression of propaganda about Ukraine and the U.S. involvement is really something to behold. First of all, we were told... We've got to protect democracy and freedom in Ukraine because if it's undermined by an aggressor there, then of course it'll be undermined by that aggressor everywhere. It's a plucky little country that's standing up for its independence and, and liberty, and we, by gosh, have got to help it. Never mind that they've banned all opposition parties and all opposition media. Well, you've got to crack a few eggs. Never mind what happened in 2014. Can't talk about that. The narrative has been simplified by our very simple-minded vice president. She said, Russia is a big country. Ukraine is a small country. <laughs> and that was the extent of her analysis. So that's Kamala Harris. So we went from that aspect of we're protecting really our own democracy by defending their democracy to a very, very different thing. And let's look this, this next one up because this is McConnell himself. I think he captures exactly where Washington is going. This naked aggression must not stand, McConnell said. I wanted to assure them that within Congress there was very, very broad support for continuing the fight. So this isn't just a little bit of aid, help them defend themselves. No, even by McConnell's own words, this is a war, this is a fight. We're in a war. Uh, Steny Hoyer himself said on the floor of the House, we are at war. You must not criticize the president. That's where we've come from help this plucky little country to we are at war. Shut up about Biden. That's a huge leap in just a couple of weeks. So they're actually admitting what I was saying. You know, this this essentially is. But I don't think they're they're saying it. Well, they've committed these acts. It's now a war. Now we can do whatever we want because of war and then demand you know, just the lockdowns that come with war, yeah. whether it's a virus or a foreign government. But um, I want to talk a little bit, you know, about the, the money the and money. things that goes, goes on. That's, that is just unbelievable. And um, were you surprised to see that uh, Lindsey Graham is a strong supporter of all this spending? No, <laughs> I thought he was a peacenik. <laughs> he, yeah, I always thought he was uh, sort of a conservative type. Well, well anyway, uh, they're, they're, they're spending a lot of money. And uh, I saw a little clip the, the other day with, uh, uh, on, on Fox, and that was uh, with, uh, what was his name? Uh, Trey Gowdy and, uh, was it Crenshaw? Yeah, yeah, yeah Dan, uh, uh, Dan, 
Dan, Dan Crenshaw. Dan yeah. Crenshaw. And, you know, a lot of Republicans really like uh, Crenshaw, and he probably is conservative when I don't want him to be conservative. Yeah. He's a little bit hawkish for yeah, me. Yeah, a little uh, bit. I'll tell you, it, it, it was terrible. But the whole point was, it, it was the, the, of this little discussion, uh, I think, was nibbling away at what Rand's trying to do. Yeah. You know, because this was propaganda, because they were promoting this thing that uh, it, it, the argument they were implying that uh, it, if uh, if we don't meet them, you know, it's sort of what you were alluding to, the uh, domino syndrome. But this was not exactly domino. This this meant that if you if we didn't stop stop this uh, now and f- declare, they didn't say it, but you know, pursue war. Um, it, it means that uh, Russia uh, is is uh, we'll have to fight Russia next month, the yeah. month after, or next year, and the forty billion is nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. Yeah, there's a little bit of waste and fraud in there, but it's nothing. But but that silly argument about the money was all talked about. But the principle of what we're doing. You know, going so far away and and uh, proportionally spending uh, how much money we're spending versus what Russia is spending, and yet, uh, you know, may, maybe Russia is a big country and uh, and Ukraine's a small one, but I bet you the budgets now aren't <laughs> that, that different. I think I think that Ukraine budget is is right up there with the Russians. Yeah, exactly. And this is the earthquake <laughs> we're talking about, and you wrote it about in the column. This week, and you find it on RonPaulInstitute.org and elsewhere. Um, Senator Paul went down to the floor of the Senate, and I'll confess to the beginning, I, I still remember a lot of the rules of the House. I never really understood the rules of the Senate that awfully well. But from what I understand, they wanted to rush this $40 billion in new aid through. The House already passed it. 57 Republicans said no, that's all out of anyone in the House. No progressives. AOC, the squad, they're all for it. They're all for this war. So Senator Paul went down and said, hey, I got an amendment. Uh, I'd like to be considered, I'd like to be added to this bill. Uh, Schumer said, no way, Jose. And so Senator Paul said, okay, well then I object to the unanimous, uh, unanimous consent to move this bill forward without any further discussion. Essentially what that means is he stopped the unanimous consent to pass that $40, $40 billion without a, without a fight. What does it mean? Well, some people, some cynics might say, well, what's the big deal? It's going to pass on Wednesday anyway, who cares? But that's not really how Washington works. They depend on working people into a frenzy. And we saw that from McConnell and Schumer's reaction to what Senator Paul did. We gotta pass this now. We can't stop, we can't wait, we can't pause. Because you know why, Dr. Paul, you know this very well. If there is a pause, cooler heads might prevail. People might start thinking, you know what? I can't get any baby formula. Gas is five, six, seven bucks a gallon. I can't afford bacon, which is a crime. Uh, I can't afford meat. I can't go to the store. Hang on a minute. Why am I, why am I okay with sending $40 billion? You know I'm going to call my senator and I'm going to tell him this is not a good idea. They can't stand that delay. They rely on a frenzy. Just like they can't, like when you were the only no vote. You know, I remember this. You know, Jeff used to always complain. The press would call him, why did Ron Paul vote no? Well, why don't you call the other guys who voted yes? It's a dumb bill. They can't stand any dissent. So when Rand stood up, it really was a heroic moment because he said, stop. Now, he's one senator. He may not have the power to stop it from passing, but that lays down a marker. Let's take a deep breath 
and see what it means. Do we really want to do this? I think really that's the importance of him stopping it. See, this represents, uh, you know, the understanding of ideology because here's there's 99 against one. Well, why do they care? Yeah. I, I used to kid them. They say, why do you care? I just one vote. Just forget it. And I wasn't shouting or making a noise about it. But they cannot stand it, especially if they think the person who is objecting has an idea that is challenging, and, and I knew you sort of alluded to it, and would be appealing to the people. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's where you're really, uh, you know, tra- tra- uh, you know tra- coming very close to tramping on their, on their prerogatives, and they want to be in charge, so they don't want to. So in, in a way, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing of the power of ideas, uh, but, but there's a limit. Those ideas, you know, sometimes they work and all of a sudden there will be a shift of attitude and there will be a lot more people. Uh, eventually you have to have the majority of people, you know, supporting the idea. But to get the shifts, uh, it's important. So it's amazing that one individual like that, so when Iran stands up and does that, all of a sudden, you know, you see, you see the lines are drawn. And they didn't even want you to. They don't even want you to draw the lines. Yeah. They just says, just roll over and do it. Uh, we we can't mess around with this. And and then how many times have we seen you know this stuff going on? They there's bipartisan. Oh yeah. You, you know that's that was one of the big deals with uh, McConnell. Yeah. And, and uh, Schumer. You know they're 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 working together and Lindsey Graham. Uh, they, they you gotta you gotta be bipartisan. That's and, right. Uh, and the. I'm sorry. Well, I said, well, so, the, so the trigger for all this was the amendment that Senator Paul wanted to add. And people will ask, well, what did he want to do? Was he putting some pork for Kentucky in it? What was he doing? No. Let's look at the tweet. Here's Senator Paul explaining in his own words. All I requested is an amendment to be included in the final bill that allows for the inspector general to oversee how funds are spent. <coughs> Anyone who's opposed <coughs> to this is irresponsible. He wasn't saying no money, even though he opposed the money, he doesn't like the idea. He understood the political reality that this is going to pass. So he said, hey, I can't stop the juggernaut, but can we at least put someone in place like we had in Afghanistan? The Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, someone who I think is a hero, uh, John Sopko, because he went in and he actually did his job. Probably one of the very few government employees who actually did his job. And he went through and he detailed the waste, fraud, and abuse in Afghanistan uh, that we sent all this money over. So that's what Senator Paul wanted. Just put someone in. Can we keep track of the money a little bit? It's like writing a big check to Hunter Biden, right? You don't know where that money is going to go. So that's all he asked for. And they said, no, please, no. It, it, it is amazing. but. It is so significant what you just described because they don't want the truth to get out. This is, this is a direct challenge on not even putting it out there, allowing it. And, of course, we're seeing more censorship of uh, language now, you know, uh, on the Internet and different places. And uh, there's uh, a little saying that I think I used once or twice, uh, truth is treason yeah. in an empire of lies. Empires, the bigger the government, the bigger the lies. They get there by telling lies, and then I keep remembering a statement by a head of our CIA saying, well, that's what they teach us to do. Yeah. And when I was learning how to be an FBI or you know, CIA agent, they taught us how to lie and kill. <laughs> and he laughed, so he, was, he wasn't serious. So. <laughs> well, on this Inspector General for Afghanistan, just as a refresher, 
and you mentioned a lot in your column too, but um, it's so important, and this is a political piece when he did his final report, I think it was toward the end of last year, if we can put that up. And this is why they don't want it. Inspector General report paints a bleak portrait of 20 years in Afghanistan. That doesn't sound good for the empire. Put the next one up. Uh, this is from the article. This is John Sopko, the, the Special Inspector General. Good guy. He wrote, if the goal was to rebuild and leave behind a country that can sustain itself and pose little threat to the U.S. national security interests, the overall picture is bleak, <laughs> he wrote. And look at the next one. Um, among other lessons, the Special Inspector General report found the U.S. government, quote, consistently underestimated the amount of time required to rebuild Afghanistan and created unrealistic timelines and expectations that prioritize spending quickly. And that's what we talked about for this past several weeks, Dr. Paul. Every week is a new, you know, half a billion dollars sent over there. And then the final one that they don't want you to know from the previous inspector general, and this is from the Politico article again, he said the report also found U.S. government did not understand the Afghan context, including socially, culturally, and politically. Additionally, inspector and inspector general said, quote, U.S. officials rarely had even a mediocre understanding of the Afghan environment, much less how it was responding to U.S. interventions, end quote, and that this ignorance often came from a, quote, willful disregard for information that may have been available. And I will translate that, Dr. Paul. Write a blank check, spend as much as possible so you can say that you're doing something. And as you pointed out this week, I think they looked at something like, it's in your, it's in your report, 60-some billion of the 100-and-some billion we spent, and they found that a third of that, a third of that was, was waste, fraud, and abuse from the recipients. So you know, they don't want anyone, sorry, they want anyone to know that's what's going to happen in Afghanistan. You know, you hear this story quite frequently that we go in places and uh, we send our well-trained experts who under, understand the, the, the uh, society and, and their politics and their religion and all that stuff. And uh, I, I, the, the words that come to my mind when I have why don't we just mind our own business? I mean, is, you don't need some fancy law. You just, it's some, most people, you know, most people on a personal level know exactly it. They even have neighbors that they're not like buddies, but you mind your own business, I mind my own business. And they go on for years. So, but we, uh, for some reason, you know, there's other things involved. Uh, we don't want them to be successful. We did that. They might be successful. Yeah. And we won't have control of their oil, you know, their oil wells and their pipelines. So that's a shame. Yeah, so. it's terrible. Well, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. And you, you nailed it. You said, hey, if you're inclined, call your senator. Because now they're kind of wavering probably. And there's a lot of them who are set in stone. But there are probably a few of them who are wavering. So, you know, <laughs> here's a true confession, by the way, Dr. Paul. I did something I've never done before, and I'm embarrassed to say it. I've never written my representative before. I've been on the receiving end a lot when I work for you. <laughs> I actually wrote a note to Ted Cruz over the weekend on his website. I said, Senator Cruz, I urge you to follow the lead of Senator Paul and oppose this massive giveaway of money to Ukraine. So I haven't gotten response yet, but... What the heck? It didn't hurt. It took me five minutes, you know. Well, well you know, there's a little competition going on there, so I, I don't know whether, whether he'll change his mind. Yeah, it might make him even worse, probably. He's probably nah, jealous, well, of, jealous of rent. But we should have a way of doing that because sometimes like that, 
Well, it gives me a little relief that I at least was expressed myself. Yeah, that's <laughs> a little <I> therapy. <laughs> so, uh, what about uh, on another subject? The White House admits it lied about vaccines. Could that's, that be they possible? They wouldn't do that, would they? <laughs> uh, they told told a lie, um, and uh, they they um, I think what happened was uh, blame. It was a blame game thing that uh, Biden somebody for him or somebody in the administration said there was there were no no vaccines available and that's why the crisis got so bad and of course if if there if there had been less vaccines as a deliberate medical policy it might have not might not have been the worst thing in the world but anyway the lie came out and people every once in a while will be concerned if it can fit into their political system so this was another time they could blame biden blame yeah blame trump yeah yeah blame trump <laughs> biden put, was blaming trump yeah <laughs> put that back up this is the story of the of the uh biden presidency it's someone else's fault blame putin blame trump blame someone else don't blame me this is a white house tweet from may 12th when president biden took office millions were unemployed and there was no vaccine available but that wasn't true of course before Biden was sworn in, I think there was a million people a day that were getting vaccinated. Um, and the unemployment was due to Trump's boneheaded idea of closing the economy down uh, because of COVID. But the other thing I was thinking about, Dr. Paul, from a political perspective, I don't know if you saw this, but Trump had a rally a few days ago. And he brought on stage uh, one of the owners of Johnson & Johnson who make one of the vaccines. And he thought it was going to be thunderous applause. They're so happy and grateful. And I watched the clip when he brought him on stage and announced him. It was silence. So from a political perspective, Trump's base is not all that thrilled about this vaccine that Trump is taking credit for. So Biden may inadvertently bring all of this scorn on himself by saying, I got the vaccine out. Well, maybe it helped nudge Trump, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, to a, a slightly different position. But, of course, uh, during the last two years, we did resort to... Uh, visiting with a, a few of those investigators and physicians who uh, really understood the issue. And of course, they were considered the bad people. Yeah. And they, they would be banned and they could lose their job and the whole work. So it's, uh, it's been tough. Thank, good, thank goodness it's uh, at least settled down a little bit. But I saw a st statistic just uh, recently, um, and I have a little trouble with it because, I don't, you know, it's not easy to say, here it is, the government said report. There's the report out now that one million Americans died from COVID. Whoa. Now, that, it's hard for me to believe, but maybe the people who say, oh, you're just paranoid about the whole thing. But what if they said, um, okay, we didn't separate the two of somebody dying and they had it it was with covid they had a positive test but they also had end-stage cancer mm -hmm. and it still got marked down and everybody knows that occurred but uh but i didn't see anybody in in the, in the media come back and say well you know that may be a little bit of a stretch and I, quite frankly I, I i'll keep my eyes open ears open for those individuals that we can rely on for uh, a, a little bit more accurate information on this yeah absolutely I'm going to close by, of course, thanking our viewers, our listeners. Um, I was filling in a little bit for Chris when he was away last week, and I was posting our stuff on SoundCloud. Dr. Paul, there's a lot of people that listen on SoundCloud, and we don't really say, we talk about YouTube, we don't say it enough how much we appreciate our SoundCloud 
listeners, truck drivers, uh, you know, workers, people who do things and they listen to it in the background. And we really are grateful. There's a lot of people that do that. So please do continue to do that and subscribe wherever you can. The last clip, and I mentioned it, I think on Thursday, we successfully moved some things <coughs> around, Dr. Paul, and we're able to add a few tables. We've got about two tables left for our conference, The Biden Doctrine, New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. Houston, June 4th, Dr. Paul, myself, Lou Rockwell, Scott Ritter, maybe some other guests. Um, it's going to be a great event regardless. We've got a lot of people coming. So go ahead and get your tickets. Go to ronpaulinstitute.org, and you'll see a place you can click on the upper right if you want to grab one of those last few tickets. Mm -hmm. I'm going to close with a brief <coughs> statement, brief point from Zero Hedge from Friday. It has to do with uh, basic constitutional issues. And uh, the headline caught my attention because it says White House Chief of Staff admits vaccine mandate is a work, and this is in quote, a work around, and a quote, the constitutional objections. <laughs> so they're admitting there's constitutional objections. So what they're talking about is this, uh, well, we'll put it on OSHA. We'll give it, you know, OSHA has to protect health, so therefore we can do it. But it was too much, and it looks like that's not going to fly. But uh, it's all this pretense, all this play, and uh, the, this whole thing that, you know, the foreign policy is what really bugs me when they justify and say, well, uh, we're, we're going over to Afghanistan to protect our Constitution and protect our liberties and bring about peace and prosperity. That's a bunch of, you know, you know what it is. And, and that's, that's what they do. But here they admit it. They admit the Constitution was restraining them and they had to work around it. So they had to create something. So uh, they, um, they, they always have an excuse. And the other thing that they do constantly and incorrectly misleads the people is uh, they don't talk about the republic and what a republic is and why it might be different than a democracy where you have a dictatorship of the major majority against the, against the minority, which is a vicious system that was uh, totally and universally declined by the founders. So, but they're always promotion democracy. They change the definition. Democracy is wonderful. That's peace and liberty. And that's the only thing that can exist as long as we have the 51% of the vote and as long as we know how to manipulate the majority to go along, no matter what it does to the Constitution. So uh, that, is, that has been around for a while. It's going to be around for a while. We should at least have enough respect for the Constitution. Uh, if, if they don't want the Constitution, they ought to say, you know, we don't believe in this. We're not going to take the oath of office and say we do, because they know they don't. Uh, they say, well, we have a modern explanation. There's a, di a, a modern, you know, interpretation of the Constitution. That's all we're doing. You guys are living in the dark ages. But anyway, uh, liberty is... Uh, seems to be for some people ancient and disappearing i think liberty is rather n new in idea and it's always been changed to the favorable so there's a lot of room for education and understanding of why personal liberty and nonviolence is the only true way to peace and prosperity i want to thank everybody for tuning in today please return soon to the liberty report <laughs>